From Marco Bellocchio, one of the masters of Italian cinema, comes his most personal film, Marks Can Wait, the story of a family mystery that has haunted the director and his films. An official selection of the New York Film Festival, the LA Times calls Marks Can Wait illuminating, and Variety says the film is frank, revealing, and profound. Marks Can Wait opens July 15th at IFC Center, along with Bellocchio's classic films Fists in the Pocket and China is Near. For more information, visit ifccenter.com. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. I'm Devika Girish. And I'm Clinton Crute. We're the editors of Film Comment. This week, we're talking to a cinematographer who's worked with everyone, from Agnes Varda to Wim Wenders to Eliza Hittman to Alice Rohrwacher. Over the last three decades, Elaine Louvart has acquired a reputation for her gorgeous lensing of women's stories and her ability to capture movement with rare immediacy and grace. Elaine's talents are on striking display in Marina, a new coming-of-age film directed by Antonetta Alamat Kusianovic. Marina tells the story of a Croatian teen navigating a treacherous passage to adulthood in an intensely patriarchal milieu. With intimate close-ups, breathtaking underwater sequences, and beautiful shots of the island where the film is set, Elaine's images give a resting form to the protagonist's awakening to her own desires. Elaine joined us from her home in Paris to talk about how she crafted the film's visual language, the care required to capture women as both subjects and objects of the gaze, and the technical challenges and thrills of shooting underwater. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Today we have a very special guest with us on the podcast. It's Ellen Luva, one of the great, great cinematographers of our time. You'll recognize her name and her very distinctive style from a lot of the stunning indie films of the last decade and more. So we're very, very grateful to have her with us. Hello, Ellen. Hello. And Ellen is joining us all the way from France. Where in France are you right now? I am living in Paris. You are in Paris. Okay. And it's late there. Uh, Ellen, it's so nice to see you. The last time we met was right before COVID in Berlin. Absolutely. And we talked about beauty. If you remember, we were we did a talk at the Berlin Critics Week about the notion of beauty, which it was great to hear you talk about. Yes, I remember. Yeah, we might hear, have, want to hear a little bit more, I think, yeah. in this conversation. <laughs> And you were then shooting the Alan Girodi movie that we ended up seeing at this year's Berlinale, Nobody's Hero, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nobody's Hero. So before, obviously, we are going to talk about Murina, the new film shot by you that is in theaters right now. But before we dig into it, I did want to ask you, you know, what were the these two years of the pandemic like? How did that change you know, the projects you were working on, did you have a period of everything being stalled? Uh, absolutely. When the pandemic started, I was shooting with Alain Giraudy, and we had to stop like this, and we keep all the equipment, everything, all the setting in the studio, because we were shooting in a studio in the apartment. And in fact, we had to stop like uh, two or three months, and in June, when we came back, it was very strange because we, we were so happy to meet again, so happy. And I think it gave something very energetic. And what is very strange, nothing moved. 
all the equipment was the same, the light, the gels, the props, everything. And we started again, like if nothing happened, it's been, we remember exactly what we did before, what we had to do, and we start to shoot again, like if we was like in a sleepy mode during few weeks, and everybody wake up in the same time. It was very strange. And of course, Alain was so happy to start again to shoot. And it was strange because when we started to shoot, it was supposed to be a winter time film. And it was so hot, so hot in the studio. All the characters got some winter clothes. So hot, so hot. And also for the night, we had to do also some location outside. So we had to to recreate the winter time, even if the trees changed, it was very warm, the sun was totally different, but we managed to do exactly the same continuity. How did you make summer look like winter? Alors, first, we tried to avoid to shoot too much the trees. Uh, and after, we tried to change the color of the light to make it slightly more cold and bluish, slightly more and to avoid all the strong sun. And you know, it's, uh, I would say it's my job. Huh? It's mean uh, we didn't have any choice because we had to finish the film. It was like a puzzle. So we had to deal with this. And at the end in the film, nobody see, of course, what we shot during the winter and what we shot during the summer. And uh, what about Murina, uh, the film that we are talking about today? Was When did you shoot that? Was that during the pandemic? No, no, no. It was before. It was uh, one or two years before. Yeah. Uh, and we shot it was, we prep during, uh, we got a long prep during uh, spring. And after we shot uh, in September or mid-August, just after all the tourist season. But I think it was in 2018. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was shot in, in Croatia? Yeah, Croatia, or perhaps 19. I don't remember precisely. Yeah, we shot in Croatia. Yeah, yeah. And we shot in different places, even if it's supposed to be the same place, but we shot in, um, in Zagreb, uh, all the the underwater and the swimming pool. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, we wanted to ask about that. Yes, exactly. And we shot in Dubrovnik, uh, all under the water, all the diving scene. And after we shot uh, in Gvar, it's in the north of Croatia. We shot a uh, middle north, we shot uh, the house. And in another island, all the trip with the boats. So we, we got mainly four locations. Wow. So it's, it was also sort of a puzzle, it sounds like, in terms of the locations. It was, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But this the shoot for this was less stressful, I imagine, than because it was pre-COVID, as you mentioned. Yes, but at this moment, yeah, we did not know anything about the COVID. We were totally out of, you know, and um, we didn't, yeah, it was without stress, of course. And uh, now when I think again about it, I feel that we got totally the freedom of everything. And now I think to shoot in four different places like this, uh, even if it's the, the same country, perhaps it will be 
less easy just after COVID because you can't move so in an easily way like this. You probably need new tests every time you go to a new location and all those rules. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, let's talk about Marina a little more. How did you end up signing on to this project? When did you first uh, meet Antonetta, the director? Uh, I, Antonetta, I met her uh, the winter before because we spoke a lot uh, by phone and uh, we said, okay, let's go to see the location. It was totally winter time. Uh, which was totally different, but it was also a way to confirm if the main house could be possible to shoot in because it was not so easy to go and to bring all the equipment. So it was a, a way to try to understand if it would be the good location because the house, it's of course the main location. And it was also a way because I didn't know Antonetta, it was also a way to meet and to speak with her because I spoke with her only once by phone and it confirms that I think that we could be on the same page and I understood that she knew what she wanted to do we, we had to work a lot in front and together a lot, lot of work and to prep and everything and everything but I understood that she has already her film in her mind, which is very important. Yeah, the film is really striking in, in that it's very much uh, focused on a small group of people in kind of a tight space, but you also managed to kind of capture the landscape around them and really describe the space of the house and the, and the landscape right around the house. And so the fact that you're telling me it was shot in four different places is kind of remarkable because you really have an understanding of where things are in relation to um, to each other in the film, which are, which is something that stood out to me while I was watching it. Um, is that something that you guys discussed how to how to kind of place the characters in this landscape before you started shooting? Uh, yes, 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 for sure, for sure. And also, uh, we we so we met in December, and after we got a prep, I think it was three weeks in April. And we had to do all the location and to try to understand if this could match with this, like the rivers, and if here could be not very far from the house. And, uh, you know, uh, we had to be very precise. And also because Antonetta, she wanted to do something not touristic. It's mean, you know, when we speak about Croatia, everybody thinks that it's a, the summer time, it's very nice. It's no, no. For her, the family, they live here, but it's not a so nice place. Of course, it's a very nice place, but in the daily life, it's not so nice. And we, we wanted to, Antoinette wanted to avoid all the nice landscape and to find something more rude and desert. And uh, she knew already where more or less she wanted to shoot, but all the short list and everything was to try to link everything because it's supposed to be the same location. And this, it was a huge work that I, I did with uh, Antoinette. Is there anything 
you know, when you heard about the film, was there something that made you say yes? I mean, I'm curious, what drew you to this this project? It's been, for me, it was very clear that the script and the story was some something very deep in the mind of Antonetta. It's been, she didn't want to do this film to do another film like this because she didn't know what to do in her life, you know. She wanted to do something because it's linked to her own life. And also, uh, it was very sincere on her. And I think it's very important to create and to work with somebody who has in a deeply way the story inside her. I can say her or him, but it's the same. It's been, it's very important. And the way she described what she wanted to do with the character, I felt that it was true and it was not fake. And the story, and the story was was nice. It's mean, when I say nice in a deeply way, I think the story concerned many people, you know, this girl with the two parents, with the father, and a dream to go somewhere else. And I think also the parallel with to go inside uh, the sea to have a sort of freedom, I think it was very nice for me. I will never go into the sea for the freedom. I will be scared. But for her, because she's from Croatia, it means the sea, it's a place to be relaxed. And for me, it was something totally new. And that's why I was interested in when, as you're reading the script for the first time, are, is uh, do you connect with it by sort of beginning to visualize how you might shoot certain scenes, or think of the, thinking of ways that you might uh, capture the story? Yeah, and I think that at the beginning, the first time we met, she wanted to do something uh, perhaps uh, much more visual, with uh, more camera movement, something. Uh, higher the way to shoot it. And of course, after you know, when you know the budget, when you know the time you have, and when you start to understand what is very important is the script, and when you have to do some choice, you can go in a simple way. And in fact, Antonetta, uh, she went in a way more and more simple. I think because she trusts more and more the character, the story, and she was totally okay and she accepted to make something more simple with less camera movements. Uh, we got some camera movements, but not so big, not so obviously in front of the screen. And this is good because she trusts her story and also she trusts the character. It's been, you know, when you have the four people in front of you, she understood that she could be simple and quiet and not to make so much camera movement than perhaps at the beginning she thought about. And the storyboard we did, we did a very precise shortlist. My job with her, it was to try to define how we can make it easier, when I say easier, not in a badly way, but to, to make it simple 
And like this, we feel more the story. We feel more the character. And, and not to try to hide it with something which will be visually high, but perhaps slightly too fake for this simple story. Yeah, I think one of the really striking, you, you already mentioned the underwater sequences, but um, there's that there's a kind of climactic moment where she, Julia dives down with her father's friend. They experience some, a moment of transcendence together, but the way the shot is very simple and, you're, and, uh, and it's all the more powerful for it. But I was wondering, um, you mentioned that you were afraid of maybe going into the water like Julia does. How... Uh, how did you approach these underwater scenes? And I also want to just say that you've always been really, I mean, you have shot so many beautiful ocean and beach yes, scenes. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, uh, to the beaches of Agnes and beach rats. And I must mention your, the episodes you shot with Alice in My Brilliant Friend, which are also on the beach, just stunning, two of the best episodes in that series. So you are clearly you are drawn to water. The lost daughters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the only thing that here with Andaleta, it means that we had to go under the water, and it's not the same. It's been you are not just under the surface. You have to go in a deep way, and in fact, uh, the frame under the water when we have to dive. I didn't do the frame. It was a specific operator. Uh, cameraman because me I was not allowed because you need to get a permit for this you need to do all the training and everything yeah yeah, yeah. you need a permit and everything and also you need the oxygen bottle and everything uh, entire crew so I stay over the surface with the monitor and I had to control the iris wow and the light oh, that's, that's incredible yeah 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 and we, we had, yeah exactly uh, and of course, all the time when we had to do the scouting and to see uh, the space before to shoot, I went with this um, cameraman and with Antonetta, but it was okay because I just go like this and you had to go under the water. You can see you have some glasses. You can see on the left it like this, on the right and blah, blah, blah. But it's been shooting-wise. I didn't do the camera because when you are shooting, you have to stay a long time. So you need the oxygen bottle. And this for safety, I cannot do it. Did you have to do any research on like the way that light works underwater versus the way that light of works? Course. I mean, in order to understand how to operate the iris. And... Ah, yes, yes. Alors, the iris, it's okay because we shot in digital. So with the waveform, it was okay. But in fact, I had to do a lot of research for the lights and also to find some lights uh, that you could use underwater and also to, to give the light to the people who are diving, holding the lights like this. This is quite very important. So I had to speak with them more on the left, more on the right and everything. And during the night, because we shot also during the night, um, I had to control from the top and we got also some light from the top, not under the water. We, we got under the water, of course, with a specific crew, but also over the light, over the, the water. And me, I could move like this, the light. I was watching the monitor and I was moving the light and oh, it wow. was really funny. Yeah, 
to see how it changes when you are moving the light like this and you see the effect. So at the beginning, it's very strange, but at the end, it's okay you use to do it. And I learned a lot. Were you, were there any other films or any other images that you were looking at as references? Uh, no, we just got the reference of the short film Antoinette uh, did. Uh, I think it was uh, Into the Blue. I don't remember the title. And it was with the same uh, main character. And she shot already. Um, so we got a reference, what she liked. But otherwise, I didn't want to get too much reference. It's mean it was more to speak with the camera operator. It was a, a man, I think 60 or 65 years old. He used to do it since many, many times. And he learned, and I learned with him how to make with a black fabric on the surface to avoid the sun and to feel that we are in a deeply way. But in fact, we are not so deep. It oh, means so I learned a lot, yeah. The operator had, had was a very experienced underwater. Absolutely, right. okay. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And and my job was to understand and to ask him many questions and to work with him. And uh, he was doing the frame. And of course, I would I was doing the the light in the iris. And when after we shot over the surface or just under the surface in the shallow water i shot it by myself because when it's shallow water even if i am like this and i'm allowed to shoot i i cannot with the oxygen uh, bottle you're listening to the film comment podcast sign up today for the film comment letter it's a free weekly digital newsletter featuring original film criticism and writing by film comments editors and brilliant contributors the letter delivers exclusive features, reviews, interviews, streaming picks, news, and more directly to subscribers' inboxes every Thursday before they're published on filmcomment.com the following Monday. Sign up today at filmcomment.com. One thing that I find really striking about the film is the obviously the film is a coming-of-age movie about this woman, this young girl, who in addition to rebelling against her parents, is also grappling with, you know, sexual desire and also being viewed as an object of sexual desire. And I'm curious, you know, you've made a lot of uh, films about, you know, women's coming of age. And um, how do you think about capturing, you know, a young woman as someone who is being looked at, but also someone who looks, you know, with desire? Like thinking about the gaze in that way. Yeah, alors, for sure, it was uh, not so easy because, uh, you know, she was uh, 17, I think, and uh, she has a beautiful body. So uh, she has to trust our gaze. She has to know that in between me and Antonetta or Antonetta and me, we will try to make our best not to be too vulgar mm. or too attractive mm. so of course the way to shoot sometimes because of the time she has her uh, costume uh, so we had to be careful not to be too 
and and it was sometimes delicate because we cannot tell her something. She will say, "What do you mean?" And we think it's been. It was delicate, but I think she trusts us a lot. She trusts us, and um, Antonetta and me, of course. We are women, but also we like her a lot, and we knew then. You know, she was 17, when she will be older, when she will see the film, she has to be proud of what she did and not to say, oh, they catch me, I did not know. You know, it was very delicate, but I think they spoke about it with Antonetta before. And me, the way I shoot all the time, I try to do my best to respect the people that you shoot. All the time. I don't say that you have to try to make them looking beautiful and nice all the time. No, no. But you know, to be very respectful. I think one of the remarkable things about the movie is that the desire is comes from the character herself. Uh, the young woman is 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 recognizing her own capacity for desire, and that's really kind of how like one of the major through lines of the story. And that's kind of um, yeah. I think you, I think you and Antonetta have done a great job capturing that. Yeah, yeah. And and of course, it was very, very, very clear uh, when uh, there was some desire coming from her. For example, when she meet the guy, or when she meets the friend of the parents, or even those scenes, those point of view scenes. There's a couple where she's looking out of a window at her at some kids partying or she's watching her mother and Javier kind of uh, talk in, a, in the distance. And you kind of like, these are these shots, I think really are, are crucial. Is that something you guys talked about these point of view of the, of course. Of shots of the young woman? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, because it was her point of view and the way also she looks and uh, yeah, yeah, it was totally her point of view. And the shortlist, we did it in purpose. It's been, we, we worked and we spoke a lot with Antonetta. Each scene and what Antonetta wanted to show, it was uh, it was her point of view. It's been Antonetta's point of view. It was the adult's point of view. It was Julia's point of view. It's mean we, we, we got three different point of view. And all the time we knew exactly which one we have to choose for each scene. And sometimes the point of view of the father on his daughter, it, mean, it was very clear, but it was not the same way of shooting, of course. You know, when you, you were talking about this shooting with respect and that delicacy, I was wondering if you could describe a particular scene in which you really had to figure out that balance or, you know, was there any rule you established for yourself in order to maintain that delicate line? Like, what does that look like when you're shooting that delicacy? Now, first, when it was a delicate moment, uh, mostly we tried to be totally with her. It's been her point of view, watching her. It was a sort of, not like a handheld, but it could be, oh, uh, I was shooting, or sometimes in a very delicate way with the Ronin. 
but it's been it was never uh, static never static and it means and uh, when for example uh, she has to dress herself or to undress herself it's been most of the time we were behind her of course when there was mirror and everything but it's mean if she was moving on the left i was moving on the left if she's moving on the right i'm moving on the right it's mean we are exactly like her like if there was two julia it's mean her and the camera in total osmose and it's mean we are not watching her in in a coldish way it's not something medical uh, it's not something clinic it's slightly more organic i will say all the time when we got a sense of nudity fat nudity or not but when we felt her body and when the body and her her entire body was involved in the story in this scene specifically it's mean all the time we were more organic it's mean the camera moving with her it was i would say it was our goal it's mean we are not watching her we are with her right right yeah that's that's kind of what i was trying to get at i think too like that that and you described the three points of view and they kind of merge and and differentiate and then merge again and so you're not totally sure just as if just in the as in the mind of a of a young person kind of thinking about themselves and seeing themselves through other people's eyes yeah it's 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 a uh, um yeah good job yeah no no and and i have to say then um it's to- yeah, total osmosis i like that phrase too yeah yeah and, and antonetta she knew very well this uh, young woman because she shot already with her few years ago the short film so uh, julia she so julia her name in the film uh, trust also antonetta totally totally and uh, my job was to be the link in between antonetta and julia with the camera and the lens because it's my job and also with the light not to be too fake it's mean you know you can do a light on the body or on the face very fake ish to also to feel the desire and everything or not and i try all the time to make something simple not to overlit the moments and also for example when we got some uh, skin and some some moments and she was slightly less pretty because of the sun and everything we said okay we have to keep it like it is she's a teen and we don't want to do a beauty girl right this it would be really bad for antonetta it was not the story i wanted to ask you about how you came to be a cinematographer and how you came to this particular career did you begin as a filmmaker as a director or did you have aspirations to be a director i know that you went to film school is that correct yes i went to film school and uh, at the beginning before to start the film school i didn't know exactly what i wanted to do but during the film school i understood that i think it will be good to work around the camera and the lights because i liked a lot of the light 
And when I finished the school, I did a lot of short film uh, with uh, friends. And you know, short films, and you can do all the stupid things that you, you would like to do. But because it was we were young and it was short film, and, you know, we, we got totally the freedom to create all what we wanted to do. And after we understood that it was not very good, but this is after you understand. But you don't, yeah, you don't know until you try, right? Yeah, yeah, it's been, you try. And I started to do a lot of documentaries. I, I shot many, many documentaries in Super 16, um, all around the world. And I learned also to work sometimes alone, technically. Because uh, sometimes you have to shoot alone with a, a director, a sound, and somebody else. But you have to create everything by yourself. And after, step by step, you know, you do some documentary. And after the same director start to do a feature film, and you do another feature film, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's it. And, you know, the, the, after the director, they call you only because they saw some things and they appreciate. It means, you know, after you, you, the choice you did from the beginning, if you continue to do the good choice, after, perhaps, you do good, good film. I don't know if it's good film, but with the director, then you want to shoot with. There's a through line to your work that, Starting from documentary, I think it's interesting that you said that you worked in doc that you started in documentary because I think that's still, um, I think there's a documentary feel to some of the work that uh, some of your recent films as well. Yeah, yeah, no, and to shoot documentary, it's before to follow subject, it's to shoot people. You you have people in front of you, and you have to shoot people. You have to shoot face, body, uh, people moving, and everything. And it's exactly what we are doing when we are shooting a film. And you have to organize the light to make something slightly nicer. Even if you don't have equipment, you have to create something. And also, I, I shot also a few times dance, because I think it's very important to shoot dance. I like dance. I like to shoot people dancing. You made that uh, short Pina, right? About Pina Bosch. Yeah, I, I did Pina and I did also many other film uh, dance. And, you know, you learn how to follow people and you learn also, it's like a choreography. And when now, now, but uh, when I shoot people uh, doing a movement or uh, handheld or even uh, just panning left and right, it's the same. You have to follow people moving. It could be like a dance. And it's on a small, you have to be with them. I just have one follow-up on that because I think it's inter this uh, analogy with dance is interesting. When you're shooting something like Marina, is there a freedom of movement to the camera or is everything, or are all the camera movements really carefully choreographed ahead of time? Are you improvising with the actors in terms of motion, in terms of movement and, and light? Uh, no, with Morina, it was very precise. It was very precise. Alors, 
Of course, perhaps when or two moments, when there is a fight, we, we don't know with the father if they will go on the left or on the right. But otherwise, it was very precise because Antonetta is very precise. Uh, she doesn't know, she doesn't want to go like this. No, she likes to be very precise to give the freedom, but she wants to be precise also for the movements. And we use also the Ronin. We got an operator Ronin for some moments and also handheld or Ronin. And we could mix in the same time. Uh, but it was very precise. Acting-wise also, you know, with the line, they know exactly what to say. Twice, we got we got more the freedom during the party, uh, during the night when there was this huge fight with the father. And just before, when there was a fight with him in her bedroom, and when he dragged her into the basement. This, we had to give more freedom. Otherwise, it was very precise. I'm also curious about uh, shooting on film versus digital because you've done both really beautifully. Is that a choice that comes from the director or it comes from the budget and the you know logistics or is that your, you know, do you decide for each project? I decide nothing. It's only the budgets. <laughs> it's only the budget, you know, because we, it's very often that um, the director would like to shoot in film. Some manage to shoot in film and some other, they, they cannot. It's mean, or they have to reduce uh, the time of shooting or they have to reduce, uh, not to shoot uh, enough footage uh, each day. So it's mean, it's a concept. It's mean, do you have more time to shoot? Or do you have less time? And all the time, the digital or the film starts again the same conversation. It's mean, me, I have to say that I love to shoot in film. But I have to say also that I like so much to shoot in digital uh, because it's uh, other tools and you play with the tools in a different way. And I will say then, 35, super 16, or digital, it just, you know, it's a pen in front of the white page after you have to write on your page. Even if I, I have to say that when you shoot in film, all the time you are very surprised. Even me, I'm still very surprised with the results. And it's very nice, there is something magic. And then we have a link with the director when we see the footage, we say, oh my God, it's super. Oh my God, it's a disaster. But you, you know, you are linked with something. There is something magic over your head. With the digital, it's just the same, but we can play in a different way. And that's why I appreciate both. A shot that is becoming more and more common in digital cinematography is the drone shot. You know, you see drone shots in movies all the time. Marina has one drone shot at the end, and it's stunning. Stunning. I mean... It could have been a helicopter, but, yeah. You know, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it was a... Yeah, it was a drone. Huh? All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. 
can you talk about that? I mean, it's so beautiful. You spend the film, so much of the film underwater, and then you go all the way up and, you know, you see her in the middle of the ocean. Can you tell me about developing that shot? Alors, of course, it could be only a shot with a drone, of course. And before we was with her on the boat, leading her and behind her with a camera very close to the surface. And so this, but of course, at one point, we have to let her go. It means uh, the father has to let her go because she wants to go. And Antonetta also, she has to let her go. The story has to let her go. It means how to describe this feeling that she's alone on the sea. And we follow her like this. It's or a helicopter, of course, or a drone. And with the helicopter, it was impossible. You cannot have the helicopter so close to her also because the wave and everything. Huh? And in fact, we wanted to have something like a bird like this to follow her and to give the freedom and to go more and more and more and more far from her, higher and higher. And at the end, she's a little dot in the ocean. It's mean, of course, it does a lot of things. Huh? It's mean for her alternate It's mean she starts her life, blah, 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 the freedom. Huh? But the drone at this moment, was not to describe a landscape or to describe uh, an action, but it was to describe a feeling, the feeling of her freedom. And also because Antonita, she has to let her go in an invisible way. Hmm. Yeah, it's sort of a narrative punctuation mark. Yeah, it's been, we couldn't, stay with her all the time. It's been because the she goes away from the father, but she has to go away from the director. It's been, you know, it's the end of the film. There's a line earlier in the film where they say something about growing, like you have to go, uh, a young man becomes a man when he can swim from island to island. Yeah. And so, and so I thought of her swimming off to like the next island and sort of moving on to the next stage of her life with that shot. Absolutely, yeah. I think that those are all our questions, and <laughs> and uh, it seems that night has fallen in Paris. Yes, we, <laughs> as, yeah, as we've been speaking, Ellen has been enveloped more and more by darkness. <laughs> Her mastery of light extends to the zoom. Yeah, exactly. Zoom. <laughs> Everything went down. Yes. Um, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for the conversation. It's been a it's been a real pleasure. Actually, before we end, what are you working on now? What's next? Hello, it's very easy. What's next? I'm starting to prep the summer part with Alice in Italy. Amazing. With, with Alice Horvacher, yeah. So I will join her very soon and we will shoot the summer part in a couple of uh, weeks. Ah, much awaited. Uh, Alicia and your next project is, is definitely one of the films we're looking forward to the most. So good luck with that. And we'll talk to you then. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. Huh? The Film Comment podcast features original music by Greg Einge. Film Comment is a publication of film at Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has been the home of independent film journalism, publishing in-depth interviews, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream art house and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. 
visit us online at filmcomment.com. From Marco Bellocchio, one of the masters of Italian cinema, comes his most personal film, Marks Can Wait, the story of a family mystery that has haunted the director and his films. An official selection of the New York Film Festival, the LA Times calls Marks Can Wait illuminating, and Variety says the film is frank, revealing, and profound. Marks Can Wait opens July 15th at IFC Center, along with Bellocchio's classic films Fists in the Pocket and China is Near. For more information, visit ifccenter.com.